This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser from Bloomberg Radio. So this was a story we were all over uh, over the past week. It was about Amazon. Uh, Amazon.com unveiling its biggest push into selling prescription drugs with the launch of a digital pharmacy and discounts for paying U.S. Prime members. It sent shockwaves through shares of drugstore chains and distributors. We saw that impact. One stock that took a hit on the news, down 22%, was GoodRx. It operates a telemedicine site platform also to track drug prices. It went public in September. So joining us once again to get his take on all of this is Doug Hirsch, co-founder, co-CEO of GoodRx. He joins us once again on the phone from Santa Monica California. Nice to have you back with us. Thank you, Carol. Good to, good to talk to you again. So tell us a little bit about the Amazon news. When, when it hit, what did you think? Well, what's interesting is um, I actually didn't think it was, uh, I thought it was a good thing, uh, but I did not think that it was um, necessarily something that would be a sort of David versus, versus Goliath story, which is really the way the press uh, covered it. Um, you know, GoodRx is a marketplace. We are a place where we gather over, I think it's 2 billion price points a day mm-hmm. to try to help American consumers find the lowest price on their prescriptions. And, you know, Amazon trying to improve their pharmacy experience for mail order is amazing. Um, and, you know, we're actually partners. In, fa- in fact, I was just talking to Amazon today. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it was construed as like a, Amazon's going to destroy pharmacies. We know it. I think in reality, it's, it's another player trying to figure out how to do mail order, which is really, really hard. Well, that's interesting. So you were talking with Amazon. Does that mean that you guys have been already collaborating and that there's more of that going on and that's just part of the whole picture? It is. I mean, you know, we are a marketplace um, yeah. and we are very close. So Amazon back in 2018 acquired a company called PillPack, right. which is an excellent mail order pharmacy. Um, this is not Amazon's first foray. I think they were actually involved in Drugstore.com way back in 2000. Yep, they were. You know, Amazon, much like they do, you know, TVs and, and everything else they sell, they would like to sell drugs by mail to, to Americans, which is a great novel idea. The challenge is um, it's just really hard, right? I think even today in the pandemic, I think less than, you know, it's just around 5% of American prescriptions actually arrive by mail. And there's been a lot of attempts to improve that. And Amazon's latest foray is trying to improve that. Um, but it remains really, really hard for a whole bunch of reasons. Well, get into that because, I mean, I see it even in my own family. Like it, some of it makes just, you know, such common sense where, you know, to get it by mail, especially if it's something that you take all the time. But it's still, I still see, you know, whether it's my own family or with others, that people want to go to the pharmacy. They want to touch base. What are, what are the obstacles to really making this take off, especially in a year, to be fair, Doug, right, where I was just talking with Susan Line of BBG Ventures about how all of a sudden telemedicine, people are embracing it big time. And it's not something that they just were going to do during COVID. They're planning to do it ongoing. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons why people go to a pharmacy. You know, number one is interaction with the medical professional is always you know, a lot of people want that, or they want to go to the pharmacist, talk about the prescription, talk about maybe that other thing that's been bugging them while they're there, pick up maybe some toothpaste or other things they've been wanting to get. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value to going to a retail pharmacy that can be hard to replace with an online experience. Um, the other reason, though, is, is, is a little more complicated. You know, it can take up to five days for, for someone to transfer a prescription or get a new prescription from their doctor and get it sent. You know, and a lot of Americans don't realize they're out of pills until the bottle's empty and they can't wait five days to stay on their medication. And then one last reason we can also discuss is that, you know, uh, the PBMs, which are effectively the insurance companies for prescription benefits for all Americans, um, they have a lot of restrictions around the use of mail order pharmacy because they also sell drugs by mail order. And so, it's not as simple as just saying, oh, you know, mail order is the exact, you know, when you buy a TV, you can buy it online or buy it at the store. It's not the same when it comes to pharmacy. 
Well, it's interesting, you know, in a week where we also had President Trump come out and talk about drug pricing, the PBMs, the pharmacy benefit managers, how do you see it, their role in there? I think initially they were thought to be someone who was going to kind of help organize the process and make it better. I think there's now some expectations or at least some thoughts that maybe it it didn't quite work out the way we planned. I think, you know, I, look, we are independent. We are the Switzerland of pharmacy, for lack of a better term, in the sense that we want to work with anyone that wants to help Americans lower the cost of their health care. Right. Um, I think PBMs do play an important role. You know, they negotiate on behalf of millions of people, pharmacies and with drug manufacturers, to try to lower drug costs. And, you know, if you work at a company and the company is responsible for your benefits, they want someone looking out on their behalf to make sure that, you know, the company isn't overpaying and that people are responsibly consuming health care. That said, you know, the, the critical argument against PBMs is that potentially, you know, they, they, they're inefficient and they take money out of uh, health care. Mm. Um, and that, you know, by, by also selling prescriptions, you could argue that's a conflict where they're both, you know, sort of um, monitoring your benefits and at the same time, they're also a seller. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value to PBMs. We work very closely with PBMs. Right. Um, I think right. they, are, they are one piece of the puzzle to lower drug prices, but it's not perfect. So, Doug, is there kind of, in your view, a comprehensive takeaway from the Amazon news? Because I feel like whenever Amazon, you know, increasingly says it's going to dig a little bit deeper into an existing market, and as you said, this isn't their first foray when it comes to um, the mail order drug business or, you know, the drug business. Um, but they have increasingly been, you know, taking steps more and more towards wanting to be part of that healthcare space. I mean, it's big business for Walmart. You know, Amazon's got to be watching it closely. Um, what's the takeaway when it comes to Amazon and maybe playing a role in this world, in your view? I, I think the takeaway is that you have a lot of well-capitalized companies that really want to innovate in healthcare, and they're doing lots of experiments. So whether it's Amazon or Walmart, you know, Walmart's rolling out healthcare clinics. Amazon, of course, has tried a number of different things regarding both their employees and some medical care and working with doctors. Um, you have you know, much smaller companies innovating as well. And I'm excited that this level of technology and innovation that has you know, changed so many other industries so much is coming to healthcare. And you know, we, we feel like we, we ride that wave as well. And we are excited to see innovations, which honestly, ultimately, just make healthcare more accessible to people, whether it be things like telehealth or make it less expensive, whether it be things like you know, mail order or even just giving consumers the information they need. Because healthcare has been so mysterious for so long. <laughs> you haven't known what a drug will cost. You've never known which right. doctors you can go to. You know? And so... Um, I'm really excited, and I think this announcement just spurs both Amazon and their competitors on to to want to to make changes. Well, how do you think then also President Trump coming out with drug pricing, and this is something that was certainly part of his campaign four years ago, you know, to to, to kind of get to what is a lack of transparency when it comes to drug pricing, and, you know, why is it that other countries pay less for a drug than we do? How do you feel like all of this, you know, and, and even his focus on, most favored nation state status, not allowing things like that. How do you think it ultimately impacts the drug pricing industry going forward? You know, we, GoodRx has been around since about 2010, and we've lived through the birth of the ACA, Obamacare, and then yeah. the changes, and then Trump's executive orders. And the one thing that seems to get lost in all these uh, initiatives is the net out-of-pocket for American consumers continues to go up, right? And we, you know, I think you guys were just reporting about, you know, uh, people are losing their homes and being evicted mm-hmm. because they don't have enough money. Healthcare's worse, right? People are just simply not going to the doctor, and they're not getting the care they need, and they're stopped taking those meds. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of um, talk in, in all administrations, to be honest, um, but there really hasn't been the kind of comprehensive reform that we need so that Americans are getting, getting that care. And uh, you know, that's one of the things we do. We actually provide lots of information to, to, to Washington and the state government saying, hey, look, guys, I know you're making a lot of talking. You know, you're doing a lot of noise here, but, but the out-of-pocket to Americans continues to go up, and, and we really have to address that 
And let's start putting that information out there. I think the most interesting things in Washington are some of these transparency policies. They're saying, hey, let's let's give Americans the tools they need to at least they know what they're going to pay and then they can work on ways to save. Well, do you have hope that there are things that it will continue to change? And I do wonder how COVID plays an impact into that because we're seeing increasingly, you know, again, out of crisis comes innovation and we are finding better ways to do things, whether it's, you know, have a meeting or whether it's, you know, meet with our doctors. I agree. I mean, you know, when you cannot go to the doctor and you still need to go, you, you discover telemedicine. You know, telemedicine existed long before the pandemic. Yeah. And only with, I think it was in March or April, went from basically nobody to, I think, almost 40% of visits in, in April of last of this year were, were, were telemedicine. Will it stick around as that? I don't know. I think a lot of people like to go to the doctor, like they like to go to the pharmacy. But I think for certain areas, for example, mental health, it's a no-brainer, right? Why don't I just see a therapist on, on Zoom instead of seeing them, you know, driving all the way to their office? So I'm really excited because I think it makes healthcare more accessible to people who can't get around. You know, today it takes 29 days for the average American to get to a doctor, right? So what if we could shorten that time by doing telehealth visits, remote monitoring? There's lots of cool innovation, and I, I am excited. I think that the pandemic, one of the outcomes of this tragedy will be that there will be some, some permanent innovation that will help Americans. So listen, I've got to ask you, so when the Amazon news came out and your stock took a hit, I am curious, were you talking to investors? Were investors reaching out to you guys and being like, well, what's up with this? They definitely were because it's confusing. A pharmacy is incredibly confusing. You know, we haven't even talked about the fact that, you know, when you're a pharmacy, you actually don't have that much control over your own prices because Mm -hmm. you have these crazy complicated contracts and the government's involved. Um, you know, imagine if you operated a convenience store and you couldn't set your own price for milk. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, and so, unfortunately, the, the, the confusion in this industry leads to people um, just making assumptions, right? Like, one of the parts of the Amazon announcement was that you were going to be able to use this, this discount that they don't even want you to use at places like Walmart and CVS. And all of a sudden, everyone thought that Amazon had partnered with Walmart and CVS, which they had not. Right. And so um, it's just pharmacy is super confusing. I mean, it's one of the reasons I've spent 10 years studying it. I still don't think I'm an expert. <laughs> and uh, all of healthcare is too confusing. You know, why is there $6,000 band-aids, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, you know, yes, we have spoken to a lot of folks, both press and, and analysts as well, to try to just help them understand a little bit more of the basics so you understand this is not the end of the world. This is not a total game changer. It's, it's more experiments designed to ultimately help consumers. You know, Doug, we just held the Bloomberg New Economy Forum, and we talked about, obviously, COVID was front and center and health was front and center. But it does feel like there's so much, um, you know, lack of transparency within the healthcare community. There's also an industry that is so, you know, reliant on the existing infrastructure to keep it going that you do wonder how that plays against any kind of, you know, big innovation happening anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, we were born out of that exact phenomenon, right? We, we, I, I, you know, Gutterex was born because I went to a pharmacy with a prescription in hand, and they said five hundred dollars, and I just said, well, that's unacceptable. <laughs> and I discovered by accident that drug prices varied, and that if I did a little legwork, I could, I could, you know, right. cut that price by eighty percent. And so, you know, I, I think there is a hunger, and you know, again, I think this this pandemic has activated Americans to be more active. Whether it be, hey, I can't go to the doctor's office, what else can I do? Hey, I can't afford that medicine, what else can I do? And so I think Americans are primed. I think the industry knows that when this pandemic is over, the attention is going to turn back to the over the incredibly high cost of healthcare. Right. And so again, I I, I personally feel a lot of potential. I think times of disruption, are the, as you as you said earlier, there are the times when innovation really sparks. And so yeah. I am excited for the future once we get past this pandemic. Well, me too. Um, and so great to check in with you again. Thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate it. Doug Hirsch, co-founder, co-CEO of GoodRx, joining us on the phone from Santa Monica, California.